Hey, Not Past It listeners. This week's show is another History Domino episode. We'll line up some mini historical moments, we'll knock them down, and end up in a completely different and unexpected place. From Gimlet Media, this is Not Past It, a show about the stories we can't quite leave behind. I'm Simone Palanen. On today's episode, we're going back 161 years ago this week to June 17, 1861, when a troop of camels came to Los Angeles. It's the story you haven't heard about the making of one of the gayest cities in the West. The dominoes are all lined up, and we'll knock over the first one after the hump. The break. The break. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So I am very lucky to be joined by a special guest today. Could you please tell the folks at home who you are and what you do? I am Ashley Ray. I'm a stand-up comedian and culture writer. The thing people mostly know me for is uh, I was banned from Twitter in 2020 uh, because I made a bad erection joke about Donald Trump. It wasn't even that clever. I was like, come on. That's pretty badass. That's pretty cool, though. Since today's history domino journey takes us into the founding of a gay city in California, I wanted to invite Ashley because she's out in L.A. and a lot of her comedy touches on being queer. So, Ashley, are you ready to go on this journey? I love a journey. Great. All right. So, today's story actually begins in the great American West in the 1800s. A time and place with a lot of lore, a lot of familiar images. I'm curious, what kind of imagery does that bring to mind for you? As soon as you said it, I thought gold panning. Just lots lots of like, my gold and then their hills. Just (laughs) like building railroad tracks. Just a lot of work I wouldn't want to do. Sure, yeah. You know, the the covered wagons, the horses, the... (laughs) Dying of dysentery. just, Just Oregon Trail things, generally. Yeah, very much those are like the classic images of westward expansion. Um, But there is one thing that you did not mention that is worth bringing up. And that is where our journey begins in domino number one. So we're in the American West. It's the mid-1800s. The U.S. had just won the Mexican-American War in 1848. Uh, after which it claimed the territory of California. But the U.S. military had a problem. 
they needed to lug a bunch of stuff out west. And to get to California, you've got to cross a lot of deserts. Yeah. Horses aren't really great in those conditions, so Congress was pitched a different animal for military operations out west. I'm just curious, do you have any guesses as to what deserty beast of burden they may have pitched? I don't know. I could see Americans being like, we'll make a buffalo work. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I want to say a camel, something that would make sense, Uh, something that I've seen in a desert before, hopefully. That is correct. Oh, good. They pitched basically the camel as like the, you know, desert beast of burden. And after a lot of back and forth, Congress signed off on the funding the camel's idea in 1855, creating what would become the Camel Corps. Now, you know, this was an experiment to see if camels could be used throughout the army and maybe even replace animals like mules. So a couple dozen camels were scooped up from ports on the Mediterranean, you know, North Africa, Turkey, uh, and then they were shipped to a port in Texas in 1857. And then from there, basically, the army starts putting these camels through, like, boot camp. (laughs) They're tested for speed and endurance while strapped with heavy loads. It was so intense, one camel reportedly died. So they, like, put them through it. Oh, I feel like that has to, you're like a camel. You have a beautiful life in Northern Africa. And then you're brought to, like, Texas. Like, oh, then you're just, like, forced into the military. That's, That's evil. But anyways, the Camel Corps, you know, they get trained up. Things seem to be coming along well for them. The majority of them make it to California. You know, Mission Camel Corps is, like, rolling right along. But then this little thing called the Civil War starts. Uh, I don't know, maybe you've heard of it. Oh, uh, oh, uh, yeah. Okay, wait, wait, where, what happens to these camels? <laughs> yeah, so the Civil War rolls around. Uh, that ends up taking a little bit more priority. Uh, and the government ended up abandoning the Camel Corps. Oh. The camels are moved from fort to fort across California. And on June 17th, 1861, 161 years ago this week, 31 of these camels are just left to chill at a fort in Los Angeles. Wow. So, you know, the Camel Corps eventually comes to an end, but the camels go on to have a second career. And that takes us to domino number two. The man who takes notice of the defunct Camel Corps is named Henry Hancock. And if you're in L.A., maybe this is a name you've come across around the city. Uh, Hancock yeah. Park, maybe? Yeah, Does yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's the, Hancock, he's the Hancock Park Hancock. That's him. Oh, wow. Okay. But Henry, he was originally from the East Coast. Um, and when he got to L.A. in the early 1850s, he scooped up like thousands of acres of land, uh, which was called Rancho La Brea. And today, that would span from what is like Hollywood to downtown L.A. Prime real estate. Truly. However, back then, obviously, it was not developed like it is today. One major thing that was missing in L.A. at the time was a stable mail service to the east. Trains had not expanded west yet. Obviously, cars are not a thing. And we've gone over this already. When you need someone to transport something across a desert, 
Who are you going to call? You got to turn to camels. You got to go for the camels. <gasps> and so Hancock, you know, he wanted to start a camel mail service, uh, sort of like a Pony Express, but for the desert. Hancock buys about half a dozen camels from the army in 1863, and he puts them on a 20-acre patch right in the center of Rancho La Brea. And it really is like the perfect place for these camels. It has like a little creek running through it. It has willows and marshland. It's like a little oasis. Now, this 20-acre piece of land... This is what we are going to be tracking for the rest of the episode. Okay. Over the years, it's had many names, but just to keep things consistent for our own storytelling purposes, I think we should come up with a name like that we can use to refer to it. Mm. Gosh, okay. I feel like I'd be like Camel Alley or like Camel Valley. I'd be like Camel Valley. Camelot was like one thing that we were like playing with. Oh, uh, yeah. See, that's, yeah. But that that is like aggressive pun. Camel Valley is a little bit like a little bit more stylish. Yeah, that's a Camel Valley sounds like a suburb that like has a gate and they name it that to like make it sound really fancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I like that. Let's go with Camel Valley. So these camels, they're living in Camel Valley, getting ready to start carrying mail. Unfortunately, our camel friends run into yet another setback. Their jobs are stolen. Not by a civil war this time, but by the Transcontinental Railroad. Oh. Come on. Darn. Oh. So by the time the camels got their shit together, they were no longer needed. They weren't needed. But like, isn't a camel, that's so much more fun than a train. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the camels, shit out of luck once more. Hancock's idea for the mail service fully flopped. The camels this time were just full-on abandoned, like oh. set free into like the hills of Los Angeles. <laughs> of LA? <laughs> they truly, they like they roamed the-, the Hollywood Hills for decades. Are you serious? I'm being for real. This is a historic fact. <laughs> All of the camels from the camel court do eventually die off. Yeah. Bye-bye camels. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That we did this to you. Um, But that 20-acre patch, it lived on. Okay, well, at least there's that. (laughs) (laughs) At least there's that. So after Henry Hancock dies in 1883, his widow is forced to sell off a large part of, you know, the thousands and thousands of acres that he owned. The rest of the land gets absorbed into the city of Los Angeles, uh, but they keep the Camel Valley plot in the family. Um... And over the years, this 20-acre slice starts to develop its own unique identity. Uh, Specifically, it starts to become cool as shit. Uh, And that takes us to domino number three. So we're going to jump uh, ahead a couple of decades to the early 1900s. Now, at this time, Los Angeles is expanding thanks to the pictures, you know, the the movies, the directors, the stars. And that little 20-acre slice that Hancock used to house his camels, it stays pretty sleepy. That is until 1918 when an actress by the name of Ala Nazimova moves to town. And she's going to have a big impact on this place we're calling Camel Valley. But before I tell you Ala's story, I actually want to show you a picture of her because I think it's really important that we capture this woman's vibe. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. So cool. Like, the hair. She has, like, this curly, like, kind of semi-afro thing. Yes, this is a cool person. She looks like someone who could haunt the Louvre. Uh, (laughs) She... (laughs) Like, a pre-goth way. Like, she inspired goth as we know it. Pre-goth is so good. The goth girls wish they could do this. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit more about Ala's life because, you know, this woman, she was a true star. Um, For decades, she played in Broadway plays and silent films, and she was also openly queer, um, as openly as you could be in 1920s Hollywood. Well, I I mean, yeah, honestly. (laughs) Swinging 20s, people were pretty gay back then. (laughs) Her second husband was a gay man and was kind of like a beard sort of situation, mutual arrangement kind of thing. Uh, We love it. That is true allyship. (laughs) Yeah, just, yeah, getting straight married to each other for support. Hey, 1920s, you know? Yeah. She was also in several very public relationships with women. So, you know, for her time, Nazimova was pretty out there. She also went against the grain in other ways too, let's say. So... While a lot of movie stars and other Hollywood types were moving to Beverly Hills around then, Nazimova, she wanted to be in the country. Her husband loved to ride horses. So, Uh you know, you got to be out in the country. And that 20-acre slice of land that used to be Hancock's was the perfect spot for her. And still a very central location. Yeah, still very central. It was actually like right between the movie studios uh, in the east side and where the stars lived out in the west side of the city. And at this point, Nazimova needs a little financial boost. Um, And so she opens a hotel in this prime location catering to the Hollywood elite. So she bought an estate right off of Sunset Boulevard in Camel Valley. And she opened her glorious hotel, and she named it the Garden of Allah. It had villas, it had a restaurant, it had a pool. And in January of 1927, she opened the garden with a party to end all parties. This is how a writer for the LA Times later described it. There was joy afoot caviar at hand and bubbles in the air for 18 hours. By midnight, the waiters were harmonizing with the guests and wandering troubadours played madrigals in the middle of the pool. It was climax piled on climax. Okay, this sounds amazing. That I don't think I've ever been to a party that great in LA. Like that, yeah, that sounds perfect. Yeah, would you go to an 18-hour party? Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, you know, you I've, I feel like you, that's the place where you could probably take some naps. Like, you know, you could probably, like, lay on a couch for a bit, go back out. Like, yeah. However, you know, like all good things, uh, this party has to come to an end. At least for Nazimova, it does. Because within a year of this lavish, smashing party, she basically goes bankrupt. Well, yeah, I feel like she spent a lot of money on the champagne and caviar, maybe. Yeah. 18 hours, a waiter, <laughs> hiring waiters for 18 hours? That's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> Somehow, yeah, this was not a financially sustainable endeavor. But what really happened was that while Nazimova was away on tour, the Garden of Allah tanked under her business manager's watch. 
and the star had to sell her shares to a faceless corporation. Oh my gosh. But once it was under new management, the hotel flourished for decades. Uh, now, just so you know, Nizamova did live on and off at the garden until her death. And honestly, that's like how I'd like to live in my old age, just like haunting a, a hotel. <laughs> And, you know, the hotel, it actually, like, continues to, like, do very well. And it becomes a big, like, celebrity destination. So the likes of, like, Samuel Goldwyn, uh, the film producer, namesake of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, he's up in there. Greta Garbo, the movie star, she parties there. The uh, Fitzgeralds, you know, F. Scott and Zelda. Uh, And Zelda? They're partying and staying at the Garden of Allah. And thanks in part to Nazimova and the Garden of Allah, the place we are calling Camel Valley becomes a destination for the rich and famous. Now, if you know your history and you've been paying attention to the dates, you may have noticed that all of this, like, booze-soaked freewheeling is happening in the middle of Prohibition. Yes. And maybe you're asking yourself, how is this possible? I honestly was just like, it was California. Nobody, like, they were just wild, wild, wild west out there. They didn't care. (laughs) Well, Camel Valley is an interesting place. Um, It has this special superpower, one that attracts some interesting characters, like mobsters and drag queens, of course. Oh, wow. uh, Which we are going to get into after the break. such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome back. Ashley, Ray, and I are smack in the middle of our history domino journey. So, And it's it's been wild so far. It really... I, I'm so we went from camels to Greta Garbo, and I'm like, what? 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 Yeah, take a remind us a little bit on the journey we've been on so far. Like, so we're kidnapping camels uh, from northern <laughs> Africa to bring them to Texas, and then they're just you know being pulled along and used and teased by the American government, and then they're abandoned by a rich man, and then people just start drinking a lot in the 20s, and it's a party. <laughs> Exactly. And the camels yeah. are just like, I guess, roaming the hills all by themselves. I know. All the while. That's what's so wild to me. All the while, these, there are just wild camels. There's just wild in camels. In L.A. And we left off on this question of, you know, how are the girls popping bottles in the middle of Prohibition? Yeah. Well, that takes us to domino number four. So how could they pull this off without getting shut down? Well, it has to do with the way Camel Valley, this little 20-acre oasis, is set up in the first place. Now, remember, 
the Hancock family had owned a huge chunk of land, uh, which they sold off after his death, a lot of which was incorporated into the city of Los Angeles. But this little 20-acre slice was different because it was unincorporated. Ah. Now, do you know? Do you know what this means? I, the, I, you, it's like it's like you basically like you're your own thing. You could you're a free agent. Mm-hmm. Even though it's entirely surrounded by the city, <laughs> which is it's like it's like the Vatican. It's exactly like the Vatican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And this is still the case in L.A. Like, there are a bunch of unincorporated areas. Like, East Los Angeles is unincorporated. Oh, yeah. It's so annoying. I got robbed over there. And they were, oh. I, like, they were like, you have to file the police complaint, like, where you live. And it was just so complicated because they were like, yeah, L.A. is weird. Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear about that. So, yeah. <laughs> I hope that was resolved. Uh, well, you know, the thing about being unincorporated is that the LAPD does not have jurisdiction over those neighborhoods. Yes. <laughs> which is a bit of a, a magical power, um, you know, when when you're trying to party during Prohibition. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it, my suffering and getting robbed, it, it's okay if it meant that back in the day people got to use unincorporated areas to party, you know? Sure, yeah, yeah. Now, it is worth noting that that didn't mean the place was entirely lawless. Uh, they were still policed by the L.A. County Sheriff, But compared to the LAPD, the sheriff was pretty lax about booze. And as clubs and bars were getting shut down in LA proper because of prohibition, this little unincorporated 20-acre slice, they got all the parties. (sighs) But they also start to attract a different crowd. Um, The likes of Bugsy Siegel and Mickey Cohen. So these dudes are some of the most notorious gangsters on the West Coast in the 1930s. Oh, oh, okay. I was going to say, like, Bugsy sounds like a gangster, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Bugsy, yeah. Bugsy Siegel is, like, you're going into a life of organized crime with that name. Yeah. So Camel Valley became a place of booze, gambling. This also attracts some of the best club entertainers from around the country, There were lewd pianists. There were strippers. And for a time, one of the most popular acts was drag. So you've got drag queens and kings taking over the club scene with their underground performances and what was called the pansy craze. I love that name. Absolutely love that name. Uh, I don't want to use Pride Month anymore. I am just going to say it's pansy craze month. Uh, Yeah. Happy pansy craze. Um, So uh, pansy performers, they became like really popular in all of the big cities. And they were especially popular with the celebrity crowd in Camel Valley. So, you know, the partying of the 20s and the 30s, the performances, unfortunately, does not last forever. Because by the 1960s, the party scene pretty much ends because the hippies ruined it. <laughs> well, part of it was that, you know, the gangsters who are running the gambling and stuff, they're all killed or arrested. Yeah. Um, and then Vegas becomes a thing. So it's like, yeah. well... And, and Prohibition ends, so it's not like it's special anymore. Exactly, yeah. But, you know, the queer people who were in Camel Valley, they were still able to benefit from this, you know, superpower of being unincorporated. Now, remember how we said that It's an unincorporated area. It's the L.A. sheriff that is sort of their jurisdiction. Well, the sheriff didn't really care about booze. They also 
uh, we're not really focusing on arresting queer people. Did this sheriff do any part of their job? Uh, that's what I'm wondering. The The fact that they're pretty hands-off in this area um, ends up being beneficial to the people that live there because in cities across America, the police were really starting to amp up crackdowns on queer people. And L.A. was certainly no exception. In 1963 alone, it's estimated that over 3,000 men were arrested for homosexual offenses by the LAPD, which was nearly double the arrests of just 15 years before. So in short, you know, Campbell Valley being unincorporated allowed it to become a sort of safe haven for queer people. When the government is actually cool sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in the coming decades, this community that starts to form in in Camel Valley, they would have to weather one more storm that would change this oasis for good. And this takes us to our final domino. Domino number five. So we have already time jumped so much today. We're going to do one more jump all the way to the 1980s. Okay. Because that is when this queer safe haven is hit with a new threat, which is the AIDS crisis. Should have seen that one coming, honestly. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's devastating people across the world. uh, But the people in the place we're calling Camel Valley, uh, they were hit especially hard. Uh, Between 1981 and 1991, over 4,000 people in Camel Valley died of AIDS, which was astonishing because that made up more than a quarter of the total deaths in L.A. County. So this was just really, really crushing. And with all the death and illness, there's a devastating financial burden to this community. Unfortunately, this happened to also coincide with rent prices skyrocketing in the area. And L.A. County was about to let rent control protections expire. So it's really like an awful, awful storm of awfulness. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this community in Camel Valley, including queer people and senior citizens and immigrants, they team up and they decide to make it a city. That way they can make their own rules you know, do their own thing. Um, and do you have any guesses as to what the city is called? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a guess and I'm going to say uh, West Hollywood. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, that is correct. <laughs> wow, Just, how'd you know? take a wild guess. And I'm going to go to West Hollywood. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> On November 29th, 1984, what we've been calling Camel Valley is officially incorporated as West Hollywood. And within that very first year, the city council established anti-discrimination laws protecting people with HIV and AIDS, as well as establishing some rent control. Thus, WeHo is born. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Ashley, for those who might not be familiar with West Hollywood, how would you describe this place? West Hollywood, it is one of the gayest places on earth. It is, like, as a queer person, I the first time I went to West Hollywood, it is just this overwhelming feeling of acceptance. I think growing up gay in the Midwest, to me, it was always like, wow, West Hollywood, you know, that's where gay actors, gay celebrities could be seen. And, and then you go there, and it's just, literally, the streets are, like, made of rainbows. 
it truly is like one of the places in the world where you don't have to be afraid of being queer out and proud and it it does feel very different from the rest of LA like literally as you're going down Santa Monica like you see the change like you're just like straight and now it's gay (laughs) do you have any fun stories uh from I don't know time spent in West Hollywood Uh. I, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time there. Uh, I think even today, obviously, queerness in LA has kind of spread their events all over, but WeHo is still kind of the center of it. This is the WeHo spirit right here. That right there. I think the WeHo Pride Parade is the most intense in the world. I've gone to the one in Chicago. I've gone to the one in New York. I But WeHo's, it's an entirely different level. Cardi B. Like Cardi B was there this last week. It is, oh, wow. it is the gayest of gay pride parades. Like I tell people, you have to prepare like you're going to war. Like bring bottles of water. <laughs> like you know, have your book bag, your fanny pack. Like be ready because it's crowds. Uh, and, and I just I love it. I guess like it's not just the queerness. I think in a lot of the history and stories that you mentioned, even when it comes to Allah, a lot of it is an embrace of like counterculture and like punk rockness and going against the establishment. So I think that's clearly like tied to this history of it being this like, you know, unincorporated, like ungovernable place. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that spirit is still alive today, which is cool, even though, you know, obviously it's also been gentrified to to heck. Uh, But, you know, I... I think the love and respect for for LGBTQ people is still there, even if you do have to have a very high income to maintain a residence in West Hollywood. You know, to to bring it back to our little history journey that we went on, the story of West Hollywood does sort of loop back a little bit to where we began. So, as it turns out, the city does not have an official mascot. But there is a local artist named Katie Brightside who is currently campaigning to make one. And, I mean, I feel like we know where this is and, going. I mean, do you know what she's it, proposing? Is it a gay camel? <laughs> it's something, yeah, it's a camel. I mean, I don't um, know if she's to be a gay camel. It should be a gay camel. It really should. I support her. I'm on board. Yeah, me too. Same. Well, you know, that completes our domino journey for the day. We went from the Camel Corps to Hollywood party meccas and unincorporated land rights to one of the gayest cities in the West. How are you feeling about this this journey we went on? It's um, incredible. I just I had no idea. And as someone who, like I said, loves West Hollywood, it just makes me love it even more to know this cool history about it. All right. <laughs> Well, thanks for hanging, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Not Past It is a Spotify original produced by Gimlet and ZSP Media. This episode was produced by Julie Carley. Next week, join us on a tour of New York City's queer landmarks as we head out into the field. Sorry to bother you. Um, We're doing like a, a history tour. And we were just wondering if you might know where Audre Lorde's house is. Um, we know it's in the area somewhere. I don't know. Sorry, I don't. Yeah, I probably nice. should. I lived here for like 15 years. No Good problem. luck. Thank you. Thanks, the rest of our team is producer Sarah Craig. Our associate producer is Ramoy Phillip. Laura Newcomb is our production assistant. The supervising producer is Erica Morrison. 
editing by Annie Gilbertson, Zach Stewart-Pontier, and Andrea B. Scott. Fact-checking by Jane Ackerman. Sound design and mixing by Bobby Lord. Original music by Sax Kicks Ave, Willie Greed, Jay Bless, and Bobby Lord. Our theme song is Toko Liana by Coco Co. With music supervision by Liz Fulton, technical direction by Zach Schmidt, show art by Elise Harvin and Talia Rockman. The executive producer at ZSP Media is Zach Stewart-Pontier. The executive producer from Gimlet is Matt Schiltz. Shout out to John Ponder from the West Hollywood History Center. His work helped us put this very special show together. You can learn more at westhollywoodhistory.org. And for more of Ashley Ray's work, you can find her on Twitter at TheAshleyRay. That's the with two E's. Or at her website, theashleyray.com. Special thanks to Colin Dean Kirkpatrick, Katie Brightside, Rachel Kim, Justin Pollock, Katie O'Brien, JTB Studios, and to Lydia Polgreen, Abby Ruzica, Dan Behar, Jen Hahn, Emily Wiedemann, Liz Stiles, and Joshua Bianchi. Follow Not Past It Now to listen for free, exclusively on Spotify. Click the little bell next to the follow button to get notifications for new episodes. And while you're there, why don't you rate the show five stars? Come on, don't be shy. You can follow me on Twitter, at Simone Palanen. Thanks for hanging. We'll see you next week. This sounds like such a better version of LA, just camels, like, getting people everywhere instead of all of the traffic and congestion of cars. <laughs>